Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We bless your holy name, Jesus. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we worship. Amen. Welcome to four people. Tell them good evening. Welcome to church. Hallelujah. Glory, glory to God. Amen. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad that God is a God of a second chance? Amen. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Right. Good to see every one of you again. How many of you had a good time on Sunday? Was it good? Let's appreciate Sokari. That uh, Ghana was one hour ahead and we followed the service. So it was a great word. Who's next? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Alright. I, I believe that um, tonight is well, all the messages that I teach are important, but I believe that this is one of the most important that uh, we should pay attention to. I believe that God really, really wants to use this to not only give us a sense of direction, but also to bring healing to our hearts and our lives. And I'm believing for... Uh, right right direction and redirection for people this evening at the end of the word. Amen. Let's pray. Let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can I get a good amen? Alright, so um, I sense in my heart over the next couple of uh, meetings we have, the midweek meeting and then Sunday service to teach on overcoming certain things. And um, this evening I want to talk about overcoming past mistakes. Overcoming past mistakes. And um, it's very important for us to understand, you know, when we talk about overcoming past mistakes, many times our mind goes to uh, gruesome things that we've done. But I want you this evening to look at it from a holistic perspective. If you've made a bad investment, any, anything in your life that can be said to be a mistake, you must learn how to recover from it. Sadly, many people live their lives trying to repay their mistakes. They, they never live free. And unfortunately... At one point or the other in our life, we would make mistakes. So I, I really want you to take this word very serious. I believe that 
It will bring healing to you. I believe that it will set every one of us in the right direction. Our anchor scripture is going to be Luke 15, verse 11 to 32. We're going to read a lot of Bible passages. But I want to start first of all by saying three statements. Number one, everyone has made mistakes in their lives at one stage or another. Every one of us has at one stage or another in our lives made mistakes. Now, sometimes the gravity of the mistakes differ, right? The, the implications of the mistake differ. But everyone has made mistakes at one stage in their lives. Number two. Number two. Most people never recover from their mistake. Most people never recover from their mistake and they allow their mistakes to shape their future. And they allow their mistake to shape their future. Everyone has made mistakes in their lives at one stage or, the, or, or another in their lifetime. Number two, most people, have never, most people never recover from their mistakes and they allow their mistakes to shape their future. So most people never recover. So everything they are doing in life, and listen, this is very important. Many people live everything they are doing in life, they are trying to repay a mistake. Not recover, but to repay. So their life, instead of creating a new future, is always lived with the past in mind. Number three, great men and women in the scriptures and in life are people who overcame their mistakes and created a brand new future with God. Great men and great women in the scriptures are people who overcame their mistakes and created a brand new future with God. Either in life or in scriptures. There is no great man alive who did not overcome their mistake and creates a brand new future with God. So having established those three foundations, let's look at three giants in Scripture who are to overcome their past or their mistake. Three giants in Scripture who are to overcome their past. Number one is David. David. If you read the whole of Second Samuel chapter 11, interesting story about David. Second Samuel chapter 11 from verse 1 to, uh, from verse 1 up until chapter 12 verse 9. Right? Second Samuel 11 one says it happened when kings went out to battle that, you know, David saw a lady was breathing and all of those process and slept with her. And the lady found herself pregnant. And David got one of those text messages that chatters every young man's dream and every young girl's dream. I have not seen it. See, see what? I have not seen it. And then calculations start. <laughs> 
And story starts. And denial starts. Am I the only one? I saw you 52 days and a half ago with someone under the mango tree. And one of those crazy incidents happened in David's life. What he thought was just going to be one moment of pleasure turns out to be a lifetime. And I like the Bible. Records it. You know, you know, sometimes we just feel we wish our mistakes were not recorded. But you know why I like the Bible? The Bible is not a book that is fictional. It's not a book that is designed to be a fantasy world. And you know when I teach you the scriptures here all the time, I try to teach you about the humanity of the people who are in the scriptures because if they overcame, then you can overcome. Praise God. And so, David... sent for the husband and says, hey, boy, go to your wife. Go and have some fun time. And the bad thing about this story was David did this against someone who was loyal to him. The man refuses. The inevitable happens. The man dies. David did that. And then the prophet came to David. And says, ah, oh, this man had the little sheep and had only one. And told him all the prophetic parables. And David said, who is that? And the, king's, the prophet, Nathan, says, you're the man. David repented before the Lord. Interestingly, if we were God, we will never use David again. But thank God, I am not God. And you are not God. And I'm so glad that we're not. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul picks up upon the life of David and says, Paul, um, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. Interestingly, Jesus came out of the lineage of David. That's a man who had a terrible past. I don't know any past that can compare to that. Getting someone pregnant, killing their wife, killing the husband. But Jesus came out of that. In First Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14, interesting. First Samuel 13, 14. First Samuel 13, 14. It says, but now, your kingdom shall not endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as a ruler over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. It's amazing that when God comes to um, Saul through the prophet Samuel and speaks to him about his shortcoming. The one person God points out that is a man after my heart is David. Of course God knew everything David was going to do. And this is not a message to encourage a funny lifestyle, but this is just a message to pump some energy into your life that your mistakes do not define the future that God has for you. 
And you cannot live the rest of your life trying to pay for a mistake. But if you trust the blood of Jesus and if you trust the grace of God, you can rise up from whatever, I mean, I, I mean absolutely whatever has gone wrong in your past, you can rise up for, from it and create a brand new future. So God calls David a man after his heart. Acts 13.22 Acts 13.22 Acts chapter 13 and verse 22 And after he had removed him Talking about Saul again The engagement with Saul Verse 21 says Then they asked for a king And God gave them Saul The son of Kish A man of the tribe of Benjamin For 40 years And after he had removed him He raised up David to be their king Concerning whom he also testified and said I found David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. From the descendant of this man, according to the promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. From the lineage of David, God brought Jesus. Number two, Saul who became Paul. Saul who became Paul. People who made mistakes and they recovered. You know, some people lost money, they never recovered. Some people lost loved ones, they never recovered. Right? Some people, whatever, they never recovered. You know, some, some people have just decided to live in their, on their, in their past. From the past, the past that formed the foundation for their lives. Anything they say, they refer to the past. You know, if I was not pregnant 14 years ago, by now I would be a professor. Okay. Right? You go to the market, try to buy things. Things are expensive. You say, you know, if your father did not run away, by now I would have been able to buy rice. And for these people, everything in their life centers around their mistakes. Everything. In fact, even creating a brand new future centers around their mistakes. Why I am working hard like this is to show that man that impregnated me that is a foolish man. The, the, the foundation of hard work is to repay someone. You can live your life like that. Everything that must always pop up. Oh, why don't you wear this red shirt? I remember the man that impregnated me. He used to wear red shirt to my house. I've told myself, I will everything in your life from the foundation of that mistake. Sometimes it looks like wisdom, but it's foolishness because it's corrupting a brand new future that God can create for you. And you need to stop hanging around people who always remind you of your mistake. Right? Who always bring that conversation. And in dealing with people and in walking with people, that's one, that, that is sometimes the struggle I have. Because you talk to people based on their future, they always drag their past into it. And so I'm believing tonight that this message will help you for the remaining part of your life. To create a brand new future. Something I'm, I'm also hoping that the Lord will help me deal with in the days ahead is how to deal with grief. Some people never 
never never deal with grief the right way. So they lost someone and their life is lost with that person. Or a traumatic event happened to them and their life. You see, we must learn to trust the grace and the blood of Jesus. We must learn to trust it. So Paul, who became Saul, Saul, who became Paul, 1 Timothy 1.15, he refers to himself. He says, I'm the chief of sinners. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. 1 Timothy 1.15. It is trustworthy, a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Look at what it says. Among whom I am foremost of all. How many of you like to describe yourself like that? Right? Say, who are the sinners Jesus came to die for in Bonnie? You say, I'm number one. <laughs> he says, I'm the foremost of all. He says, it's a good statement. It's a trustworthy statement. Deserving full acceptance. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Among whom I'm foremost of all. He admitted. He says, hey guys, I'm number one on this list. Alright. Let's look at some things that Paul did. Acts chapter 7. Verse 57. Acts seven fifty-seven. Right? But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. Verse 58. When they had driven out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. The introduction of Saul to us in Acts chapter 7, it's not a very good introduction. The introduction of Saul to us in Acts chapter 7 and verse 57 to 58 is when Stephen was dying. This was the guy who held the robe. So the introduction of Saul in the scriptures to us, the young man, who was watching them mob a righteous man. Guy kept the clothes while Stephen was being stoned to death. Interesting introduction. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. You know, so when they kept their clothes with Saul, if you don't read Acts chapter 8, you think, oh, well, they just gave this young boy clothes to hold. Why they committed the main murder? No. He was in agreement. So, the introduction of Saul to the scriptures in the book of Acts is the introduction of a young murderer. That's his introduction. The guy held the clothes. And Acts 8.1 says, Saul was in hearty agreement to put him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judah and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud Lamentation over him. Look at verse 3. See how Saul was introduced. But Saul began ravaging the church. Saul began ravaging the church. See, let me tell you something. If we are to win this generation to God, we've got to focus on the young people. You know, Christian statistics have it that people who got born again in their teenage years believers. The teenage ministry is a very vital ministry. And interestingly, we just turn it to entertainment, we just turn it to, yeah, we just turn it to all kinds of stuff. From a very young age, this guy began to ravage. You can check the dictionary meaning of ravage. 
This was not just persecution of the church that they were throwing stones when they were having church service. This guy was collecting authorization later to kill people. <laughs> Look at this. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women and he would put them in prison. I believe that one of the reasons, well, this is me. I believe one of the reasons, this is not Bible, this is me. I believe one of the reasons God called Saul was he needed this energy for the kingdom. I believe so. I believe so. <laughs> because if God had not called Saul, a lot of people would have died. Everything Saul did, he did with zeal. And that's the challenge. Some of you are born again now and you can hardly do anything for God. You can hardly win souls. You can hardly, you are not passionate about the things of God, but where you were in the world, passion defines you. And it's a, it's a disservice to God to serve the devil more passionately than you serve God. You know, it's interesting when people come to church, they seem like they can't do stuff. You know, I, I don't really know how to talk to people. I'm an introvert. I just like to be on my own. Until it's your birthday. And the whole house is full. Where did the people come from? Signs, wonders, and miracles. Praise God. You must never give more energy to the kingdom of darkness than you give, you give to light. You must never give more resources to the kingdom of darkness than you give to light. I was showing, I read a chapter of Proverbs every day, and I was reading Proverbs chapter 23 today. Well, I saw something I've never seen before. You know, the life of an alcoholic. It says he drinks, he drinks, he drinks, and sleeps, and wakes up to drink again. Some of you know how much you put into clubs, put into drinks. All they needed to do for you to pay an expensive drink was to off the white light and on the blue light. And increase the music. They can hear yourself. How much? They say, how much? And then you pay the 100,000 for a bottle of Coke. Then when you come to church, you give 10,000. You say, ah, I'm giving sacrifice. You start tracing that offering with prayer all the days of your life. Lord, remember, the 10,000 I gave. You have not gotten the harvest. I'm still waiting. And you were buying Coke for 500,000. But Saul began ravaging the church. Interesting. Acts chapter 9. It's 1 to 3. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Went to the high priest and asked for letters for him to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. God had to stop him. This was the journey where God said, boy, it's okay. You've tried the guy collected letters. Hmm? Anybody he finds as a Christian, he brought them back. Don't forget, Paul was entering house to house, collecting people. Interesting. This is the same Saul. This is the same Paul who got converted, wrote to thirds of the New Testament, planted churches, raised Timothy. And you know when Paul was preaching in the synagogues, he would say, I've wronged no man. And I believe there will be somebody in that church service who will say, if this was not church, I would have killed you. 
And that's something you have to learn. You have to learn the confidence of walking like someone who has been forgiven. You have to learn it. Oh, you have to learn it. You will see people who remind you of your past. You will see things that will remind you of your past. Circumstances will come that will remind you of your past. You have to be bold like Paul in the midst of all that to advance the purposes of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Is somebody in the house this evening? Say amen if you're here. Number three. I just want to give you three giants in scriptures. I don't think there is any giant in scripture who is as giant as Paul. <laughs> I mean, after Jesus, the man is like number two in the hierarchy. Right? Even demons said, I know him. Right? The guy was strong. Wrote letters. Planted churches. A man said there is no true gospel that can be preached without its embers fanned in the flames of Paul. You must, you must quote Paul. You can't teach new creation realities without talking about Paul. Don't forget this guy was a murderer. <laughs> Peter, Luke 24, verse 54 to 62. <laughs> I like the Bible. I like the Bible. It's interesting. Luke twenty-two, fifty-four. You know, I, I was teaching and, and I was teaching people on the humanity of Jesus, and and you know, the scripture talks about when Jesus wept when he visited to raise Lazarus. It talked about how. It shows us how close the family was to him. And Jesus did not cry when he was raising everyone. But for that family, he wept. Acts, what does he turn to? Luke chapter 22, verse 54. I don't want you to look at scriptures and look like these people attain heights that you cannot attain to. That's why in talking about prayer, things took already on Sunday, Elijah is a man of like passion. The humanity you're giving as an excuse, people have used it to serve God. For some of us, it, it will not just be mistakes that we... Maybe it will be other people's mistakes that impacted us. The father couldn't send you to school. You didn't have some things going on for you. You had a very terrible father. When would you outlive that reality and live in the Word of God? When would you sit yourself down and say, You know what? This has taken such a hold in my life. Tonight, it breaks. And I take responsibility for creating a new future. If not, we can allow... And the devil is very, very wise and cunning in this aspect. Once you are about to make a headway, that nagging voice comes up and tells you, not you. God is to really use people. Even you know that if you were God, you would not call you say it's true. <laughs> and then you ask, 
Who else has God used? He's used. You know, famous Bible history tells us went to India and did massive work in India. But remember Thomas? Doubted Jesus. God used him. Let's look at Peter. Luke 22, verse 54. Right. Having arrested him, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest, but Peter was falling at a distance. And after they kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. And the servant guest seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him. You have to be careful when they are looking at you like that. You know, they are going to ask you a question. Say, this man was with him too. And let me tell you something. That's why in life you must learn to preserve your environment. The Bible talks about not sitting in the seat of the scornful. There are places you are that certain discussions will happen. You have to be careful. You know, some people say, if we don't go there, how can we shine our light? Your light is not burning bright enough for somebody else to see your light where you are. And so they asked him the question. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. <laughs> A little later, another saw him and said, you are one of them too. But Peter said, man, I'm not. And about an hour passed. Another man began to insist, saying, Certainly, this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. This was Jesus. Peter said, I don't know what you are talking about. <laughs> Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. I had told him, before he rose that cross today, you will deny me three times. See how, how easy it was for Peter to say, I don't know Jesus. Even, <laughs> you walked with this man for three years. You said that Christ, the son of the living God. You ate fish with him. You just sliced somebody's ear for him. He just took you to the garden just a few mo- In fact, it was from the garden where they were praying that the man came. This was Peter. says, I don't know him. You know, if it were some of us, we will never forgive ourselves again to preach about this man. Because every time we want to preach about him, what will come up in our heart? The man you denied. You will not make heaven. That will come up in our heart. And I just, I'm, I'm trusting the Lord that God will use this message to really change you. And he went out and wept bitterly. He wept bitterly because he denied Jesus. So it's the height of betrayal. He wept bitterly because he denied Jesus. But in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 to 47, you can put it up. Acts chapter 2 verse 41 to 47, this same Peter, Acts 2, 41. 41. Right. So then those who had received this word were baptized and that day there were about 3,000 souls, 42. And they were continually devoted to the apostles' doctrine. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. This one guy who denied Jesus brought 3,000 souls to God. He overcame his mistake. 
He preached about this same Jesus whom he denied. You know, some of us think we can't preach to others because of the kind of life we had lived before. You know what that simply means? It's having more faith in your past life than in the blood of Jesus. Oh, I used to be this. And that's why I don't really agree with the fact that, you know, people say it all the time when they want to give you motivational talk. Your mess is your message. And what you have been through, God wants... It's not necessary. Because the truth of the matter is, sometimes, we, you see, the gospel is such that a broken person can preach it. The one that is not broken can preach it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because if we have to do all the evils in the world before we can reach people, how are we going to reach terrorists? Do we now kill some people and die and are exorate and I say, I was a former terrorist. You remember that terrorist that died two years ago? I'm the one. It doesn't, doesn't add up. Of course, you could have experiences that you could use to, to help people, but you don't need to. And if you have those experiences, those must not, that must not become the basis of your message. Why? You're a new man in Christ. You, you must have faith in what the Word of God says. Your faith must be rooted in God's Word concerning you, not your past. Not your mistakes. Why? So, those are the three giants. David, Saul, and Peter. Why people do not recover from their mistakes? Why people do not recover from their mistakes? Number one. Now, let's read, let's read our anchor story, right? Luke 11, Luke 15, and then we'll come to why people do not recover. Luke 15, interesting story. Let's read again. Prodigal son. Luke 15, verse 11. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together, went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. This was really an abomination. The Jews had nothing to do with pigs. A pig was an unclean animal. So to send a Jew to feed, to feed swine was the height. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many... Uh, no, 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 no. For 16. And he would gladly fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving him anything to eat. And remember, he spent all his money with people. But when he was broke, no one was giving him anything to eat. Hmm? Those of you that will be in a relationship for 15 years and spend all your salary to be taking care of a girl until you will hear after 15 years I say my father say I cannot wait for you again and then they will now send you invitation card to traditional marriage and you will now be crying that people broke your heart learn from the story of the prodigal son then verse 17 but when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread but I'm dying here with hunger I'll get up and go to my father and we say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up, came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, 
His father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted cow. Kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and he began to celebrate. Now this older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he had music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he received him back safe and sound. Right? And but he, be, but he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you and I've never neglected the command of yours and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, he didn't say my brother. When this son of yours came, right? What happened? (laughs) When this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes? So we know one of the ways that the money went. This, his elder brother gave us the key. One of the keys. He devoured your wealth with prostitutes. You've killed the fatted cow for him. And, 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 and you've got to understand this. And sometimes we can have this feeling, right? Sometimes when we see people who have lived very terrible lives get restored, some of us cannot handle the fact that God is using people we feel are not qualified. Right? So, so you, must, you must, and pay attention here, please, don't be distracted. You must get comfortable with the fact that some people will not see you as qualified. You know, you know, there are some people who really get happy that when you make a mistake, that mistake should really kill you. So that they will say, I told you. Not everybody can handle grace and mercy. For others. Not for their own lives. For others. So you have to get comfortable with it. The elder brother, I mean, this was your brother. Let's assume he did whatever you said he did. He's back home. He's, he's returned. That should give you some joy. The guy was angry. <laughs> and he was not getting into the house. And that's why you must never feel that anybody, you know, and, and you know, sometimes people feel resentment towards when other people get blessed. Right? You just feel, yeah, this person, I don't. Listen. And if you do what the word says, you can get as blessed as anybody else. There's no need for the resentment. Right? No need for the resentment. So, and he said, son, you've always been with me. And all that is mine is yours. But, when, but we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Sure of the prodigal son, it's a tri parable of how someone can pick their life up again. Very clear parable. And I don't want this message to be theoretical. I want for every one of us here, every area we seem to have made a mistake, take this message and apply it. Praise God. 
and I'm, I mean, this message came to me prophetically, really. And that's why when I started, I said, listen, this, some, some of these messages, I mean, because of the way we are trained, when they are being taught, sin, sin, sin comes to your mind. I mean, maybe two years ago, we, we did like, like an investment. I was something basic, not all those, you want a lot of money and everything. And then the, the company collapsed. We lost all our funds. And it was massive. It was, it was almost everything we had. We lost all our funds. It was almost everything we had. You know, and I was, you know, praying about it, just staying on the word about it. And, you know, the Lord brought this to my heart. That you can overcome this. You can overcome this. You know, and, you know, I told Pastor Mary about it. I said, listen, we're going to get all the money back. Not from the company, just by faith in God. Listed how much we had with them, put my faith on the line, and in two months, all the money, all the money has come in. You can recover from the mistake. You can. You made a bad decision, you can. Or, I can just choose not to recover. Right? And blame the remaining 40 years of my life on how I lost money 15 years ago. You can. And of course, if you're close to me, you know, money is not something that's in my head. So if I tell you I did an investment, it wasn't something that was promising me 120,000 returning two days. Some of, some of you are so greedy. Just want to be rich on time and, and shut the street and surprise us. Now we are surprised. You're taking all your money. That's also what I'm talking about. But I'm saying if you genuinely made a mistake, consciously or unconsciously, there's room for recovery. And your life doesn't have to be tied to that. Can you say amen? So why do people not recover from their mistake? Number one, they never acknowledge it was a mistake. There are people who live in denial. The prodigal son did not live in denial. I made a mistake. Admit it. Let me use this case. For example, maybe you made a bad financial decision and your wife is trying to talk to you about it. Stop being adamant. Don't say, I know what I was doing. If you knew what you were doing, you would not lose money. You made a mistake. Just admit. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. And I mean, with all the compassion and all the love in my heart, I really pray that this message gets into the hands of single mothers and they take it and live it. Because we see single mothers who, who try to raise kids based on their mistake. That's how they raise the children, based on their mistake. Everything around their life is defined around that situation. They never leave past it. And it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge. Your decisions are based on that. And it's almost like you're trying to repair your life all the time when you can create a brand new future. You've got to trust God. If you serve God, trust Him that your future is brighter than your mistake. Praise God. Say amen if you're here. Number two, why do people never recover from their mistake? They think one-sided all the time. Luke fifteen eighteen, and this is very important. What did the man, what did the prodigal son say in Luke fifteen eighteen? Put it up for me. He says, I've sinned against heaven 
and in your sight. Your mistake can be against God and people. Don't just pretend that it's not against people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I use this, the example I used before. Let's say we put up that money and I lost the money. I cannot pretend to my wife like I didn't do anything. Even if it is not joint money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Have a responsibility to her as my wife. So, your mistake can be against heaven and against man. So, don't just say, and God has forgiven me. You know, in man's sight. That's right. For some, you just need to say sorry to the people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, sometimes people do not have that balance in their heart. I mean, whatever examples I use tonight, just nothing personal. Just take it the way it is. Let's say for a, a, a young girl who got pregnant outside of you know, marriage and all of that. You owe your parents an apology. Right? You owe them an apology. So it's not just, you're, you're not just going to recover just by pretending nobody exists. Or, no, 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 no. You owe them an apology. That's against God and against man. Because that was not their intention of sending you to school. Or that was not their intention of sending you wherever. So, number three. The inability to receive the forgiveness of God and man. Number three. Why is it that people don't recover? They never receive forgiveness. Everybody say receive forgiveness. You see, you must learn how to receive forgiveness from God and from man. Many people, and this is where a lot of people hook when it comes to this. This is, the, this is it. They don't know how to receive forgiveness. So even though they have been forgiven by God, they still live like they have not been forgiven. Even though they have been forgiven by man, they still live like they have not been forgiven. And let me tell you, if, if man forgives you, it will not be as fast as God. You know, if God forgives you, your record is clean. If man forgives you, and there's something I will teach you, it's a matter of time, right? So, you have to just... And put your faith on the line for that. You speak that all the time. The truth of the matter is, I mean, I I say this with all humility, there is no situation I find myself today that I can't use the word of God to come out. See, your, your feelings will fight you, but stick to the word. Stick to the word. Stick to the word. Declare the word. Speak the word. Because if, you, if the devil keeps you in the arena of your feelings, he will make a failure out of your life. You will make a failure out of your life. And there's a balance to this. Right? I'm not saying you go and put your life on mistake mood and say, I know how to come out. Of course, you understand that. If you listen to this message with that in mind, then of course, you're just ruining your life. So many people don't know how to receive the forgiveness of God and the forgiveness of man. And let me tell you something today. One of the best things you can ever do for anybody in this life 
is learn how to forgive like God forgives. When you forgive, forgive completely. Just learn it. Many people in this life have not, have not received proper forgiveness from men. Learn it. And that's what God began to deal with me with in this message. I began to study and prepare about it. Right? Just learn to just forgive people. Okay. Number four. Somebody getting blessed? Okay. Make decisions. Number four. Why is it that people don't recover from their mistake? They make decisions from the point of mistake instead of the perspective of recovery and forgiveness. So, like I said, all your decisions are based on that mistake. Right? You try to. Hmm? You want to. <laughs> you want to make up. Hey. Receive the forgiveness of God and man. And leave. Be free. I know sometimes it can be tough. Because people have varied degrees of mistakes. But you know what? I'm asking myself this one question. How would Paul feel every time he went into the same synagogue he took people from to kill? To preach. Huh? Imagine you were, you were in this church. Huh? You were a former... Or maybe some of the guys who stole our sound system. I hope you are not here. <laughs> I told you the forgiveness of man is slow. <laughs> you know, in that church, they stole our sound system three times. How many of you are with us then? Three good times they stole our sound system in the other church. Three solid times. Three solid things that we had. Eh? I imagine that you now become born again. They now come to the church. And every time you, you see our amplifier, the amplifier will be speaking to you all the time. Formative. 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 You know, at the point, what would you want to do? You just want to walk away. And this, I realized this. If you can overcome your mistake where you made it, you experience your greatest healing. Don't run away. It looks like an easy way. But you know the one thing you cannot run away from? It's enemy will bring to you harm. So you know what? Once and for all, you deal with it. Right? Imagine Saul going to preach. And here was the man. He has dragged this person from this house. Lock your mother in prison. I know. It's not prison. You know when you watch prison in American movies? You know, when you hear prison, what comes to your mind is those prison American movies, they are wearing yellow, you know, they are going to eat in cafeteria, they are fighting. You almost look like a boarding school. <laughs> That's not prison, though. Those people are enjoying. <laughs> I remember one time they went on strike that they were eating too much chicken. I said, you are on serious. Here, if you see chicken here, they said, are you? I remember, I, I, I think I've told this story before. When we went to preach in prison in Worry, okay, prison. That's it. That, that time I just told myself, God, whatever you do, don't call me to preach in prison. I can preach anywhere. You know, when we went in, they said we should drop out. So we dropped our ID card, dropped everything. You know, they had given us an ID card to go and preach. And then we went in to preach to these guys. Boy. I was young then. Maybe I was too young at that time to be taken there. I was young there. I was going to one of our evangelists in church. See some of these guys. 
when you are even preaching, you, you could feel the message bouncing back. Like, you know, you can't say, Amen, are you with me? Are you here? You are going home. You can't say all of those nonsense. <laughs> right? Because he won't even listen to you in that sense, you know? But, I, you know, but all the time, it was him preaching actually, but all the time the man was preaching, I was just looking around. High wars. Some of these guys had daggers, you know, bullet stuff, all of that. I was just saying, if the person we drove the ID card with, now when, you know how your mind, and my mind can work very fast. I was just feeling, what about the guy now forgets that we are here? And they now look, I didn't, <laughs> my mind, I was just saying, preach what you want to preach. Let's just, immediately we left that place. The next, you know, went to my dad, say, how was it? I said, it was good, but I'm not going back again. You know, so imagine that your mother was dragged into that prison. And then they advertise a flyer. Grace Congress. Guest speaker, Apostle Paul. <laughs> How would you feel sitting in the congregation and listening to that man teaching that you are a new man in Christ? Some of you will not even show up. Not to talk of if you are the one to preach the message. Do you realize that every time Paul preached, the devil would have told him, but you killed someone. But you locked up somebody's mother. <laughs> But when Stephen's blood that was crying, you are part of the reason Stephen died. Imagine the image of how Stephen died. Stephen was actually stoned to death. And that's a gruesome death. That's a gruesome death. To stone someone to death. Do you think that image would ever leave Paul's head? What am I trying to say? There is no mistake you have made. There's no failure you've experienced. There's nothing that's happened in your life. That if you choose tonight to walk away from it and put your faith in the blood of Jesus and do the things I'm teaching you in this message, you cannot walk away from it. And every time the devil brings up that image, that's when you need to be strong and say, you know what? That man died in Christ. I receive forgiveness. And create a brand new future. Because for the rest of your life, you cannot live bound by the things that are past. You cannot live the rest of your life bound by the things that are past. Are you still here? Alright. Number five. Why is it that people don't recover from their mistake? Wanting to prove to others that they did not make a mistake. So they live their lives trying to prove a point. Hmm? Just want to prove a point. Talked about it. For instance, you're a single mother. Things have happened the way they happened. You just, you just make. You just want to prove a point. And sometimes, sadly, you overindulge your children. Just overindulge them. Because you just want them not to feel, in quote, the pain of life. So you overindulge. There's no discipline. It's nothing. Whatever they want, you, you give it to them. And I want to beg all of you here, parents and parents-to-be. I was studying Proverbs in 22. It says, when you discipline your child, it says you rescue his soul from Sheol. Sheol is hell. When you rescue his soul from... See? I don't want to go into the psychology of discipline nowadays. I, I don't want to even go there. But maybe we're going to have a parenting seminar. Because you know some of the things we do, 
We're listening to psychologists. We're not listening to the scriptures. Ask yourself, you that your parents disciplined the way they disciplined you. See how, how hard they took God to keep you in the right path. Hmm? And discipline a child. <laughs> Say, well, you know, you're entitled to three biscuits, but I'm going to give you one. Okay. Somewhere, Pastor Mary, the little child was disturbed. Come in, the child was not listening. <laughs> so I told Pastor Mary, I said, <laughs> We're sitting together. So I said, If that child comes here again, say, Permit me to do one thing. Say, The child will never return. He won't return. When he sees us, he won't return to this place. Nothing out of the world. Just something little, but effective. He will hear it in his spirit. You know, raising our kids, we never heed our phone. You know, those when you are raising children, you carry things up, suspend. No, 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 no. The phone was there. You touch it once. Then we have a conversation. Any time in your life you see anything that looks like a phone, you will circle around it. You will not touch it. I will move my phone for you. I give birth to you. I will do it. Raise your children in such a way that when you say stop, they hear. Not stop, 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 stop. No, 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 no. One instruction. Because I've, I've given this example before. It might look funny, but it's true. You don't want to raise children that when they are in danger and you call them once, they are not listening. Your child is, I mean, not anybody's child here, but a child is running to the road and you say stop. And your usual echo that you people do in your house, where you do stop up to five times before they stop. And no. Let me leave that. If you have raised them this way, this message is for you. Recover from your mistake. And when you go home today, set new standards. It's for your own good. And it's for their good. Because you know what? Those children will not always be under your roof. They will work with people. You know how some of your co-workers are difficult to work with. Eh? You give them instruction in the office. It's like there is something implanted in them not to hear instruction once. That, that, <laughs> that thing is not book. Because they've read all the books. They've read all the guidelines of the company. they signed all the memorandum of understanding. But the real thing that quickens a man to respond once was not implanted when they were young. You won't always be under your parents. Your children won't always be under. They're going to get into the world. They're going to be independent. They're going to face real stuff. And you know what? They're going to face people who don't have mercy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They're going to face messless people on the earth. They're going to face wicked people. They're going to face terrible people. 
So don't raise your children like they will always be with you. Just train up a child in the way that he should go. Not that he wants to go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. I believe that God wants to help someone there today. Amen. Alright. So how do you overcome past mistakes? Number one, practical steps. Number one, identify. Identify. Identify the mistake. What mistakes have I made? What mistakes have I made? Identify it. Let me say, this is also in your finances. Right? Some of you were in debt and you had come out of debt. Identify it. Some of you lost money, like I give myself as an example, and God has helped you to overcome. Identify it. Why did this happen? What, 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 what areas did I make mistakes? Identify it. Don't just assume. Sit down and say, oh, this, 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 this. Okay, identify it. Number two, acknowledge it. There's nothing wrong in acknowledging it. It's not, nothing wrong in acknowledging it. Number three, seek forgiveness. Heaven and with man. Seek forgiveness. Heaven and with man. Number four, accept and receive forgiveness. Very important. Accept and receive forgiveness. God has forgiven you. Sometimes, even the people you offended has forgiven you. Accept it. Hmm? You know, sometimes when people are forgiving you, you think they have not really forgiven you. Right? So what will your mind be telling you? If this person has really forgiven me, he will not answer me like this. You will keep... <laughs> <laughs> you keep writing scenarios in your head. That's why you see sometimes even in marriage, when couples are forgiving each other, after like one month, when you are eating, you say, hey, the way you are eating, if you are really in your heart of heart, inside your heart you are forgiving, you will bite the meat stronger. I know you. Which, what has biting of meat got to do with? And, <laughs> and let me tell you, if you, if you don't forgive people, bitterness, in your heart doesn't hurt the people. It hurts you. you. You live with it. So forgiveness is actually not just for the person's good. It's also for your good. Alright? It's also for your good. Okay. Number five. Endeavor to repent. So I said accept and receive forgiveness. Endeavor to repent and seek a turnaround. So this is not a message to encourage you to keep going the wrong way. Right? You must. What did the prodigal son say? I will go back. He didn't say, well, I've repented. No, no, no. He turned around. He, to repent means to change your mind. So you change what you do. You were bad with your finances. Change what you do. Right. You made some bad decisions. Maritally or, I mean, with, with kids, everything. Change it. I mean, repent. So it's not just about staying the way you are. No, you repent. You seek a turnaround. Then number six. Live consistently looking at the future and not remembering the past. Keep the, the picture of the future in front of you and not the past. Alright. Let's go very quickly. Let's look at the biblical model, Philippians chapter 3, 12 to 14. Thank you, Lord. Philippians chapter 3, biblical model of overcoming mistakes. Philippians chapter 3. And let's look at verses... Uh, Verses 12 to 14. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Paul says, uh, if you look at verse, verse 6, it says, As to zeal a persecutor of the church. So Paul refers to himself as a persecutor of the church. Now go to verse 
I said we should read verse 1. Verse 12. Okay, go to verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by the Christ Jesus. Verse 13. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, what does it do? Forgetting what lies behind. Everybody say forgetting what lies behind. Now, in forgetting what lies behind, God is not going to do it for you. You do the forgetting. It's your mind. You know where the devil will always try to win people? In their minds. You must. That's what the Bible says. Renew your mind. So, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what? What lies ahead. Praise God. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the up- upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So you must learn to forget what's behind and press towards ahead. And in John chapter 8 verse 11, when Jesus met the woman caught in adultery, he says, go and sin no more. So you don't put that on, 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 on repeat mode. Don't put your mistakes on repeat mode. That's very important. Right? You don't make more mistakes upon the mistakes you've made again. No, you don't do that. So you forget what is behind. Key things to remember as we close and then we're just going to see Spend some time in worship and I'll just uh, pray with everyone and trust the Lord. And whatever the issue is, just cast it before the Lord. And as we sing the song again, God of the second chance, receive it that God has given you a chance tonight. Praise the name of the Lord. So key things to remember. Number one, man is slow to forgive and forget. So understand this and work with this knowledge. Okay? Give them time. Give yourself time and act wisely. So sometimes... People will not be as fast as God. So just give them time. Alright? Couples, something goes wrong. You know, I, 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 and I find this a lot with women, with men rather, not women. You know, men are kind of logical and quick. So a man can forget and just forgive easily and the next moment is acting like, right? Everything was okay since Adam. And a woman is slow to, I don't know, slow to come to terms. And then sometimes your, the speed at which you even forgot now annoys her the most. Like, you are just, you are, you are dancing. You are, you are dancing. It's not even up to two hours. And in your mind, you say, I've always dealt with this issue. So, so even though in your mind that issue has been dealt with, still act, uh, you know, still works slowly. Because if you just go very fast, say, eh, it's not from your heart. I know. Because I'm forgiving you now. <laughs> so you <laughs> still find something to do, wash the plates, paint the house. Even if they call you to eat, say, no, I don't have appetite. Later at night, you can go and warm food and eat. But if you're just eating fast, say, eh, because see the way you are eating. See, the, the, that, that story is not from your heart. It, <laughs> and it's from your heart, but you are eating too slow, too fast. So eat slowly, you know what I'm saying. Shows <laughs> Number two, learn to forgive yourself and receive forgiveness. Number three, be determined to become better, not bitter. Right? Be determined to become what? Better and not bitter. Everybody say that. I'm determined to become better. And not what? And not bitter. Don't be bitter. Huh? Don't even be bitter with yourself. Some people will beat themselves up, beat themselves up, beat themselves up, beat themselves up until they damage their own self-esteem, damage their confidence, damage what God is already building in their life. Praise the name of the Lord. 
Imagine every time Paul went to preach, he just said, Oh God, the murderer is here again. The murderer is here again. Oh, I kid people. Oh Father, I'm asking for your mercy. If you preach like that all the time, at a point, right? You damage your own self-confidence. Praise God. Number four, remember the blood of Jesus is stronger than any sin or mistake you have committed. Have faith in the blood to cleanse, to wash, to preserve, and to give you a brand new start. Have faith in the blood of Jesus. The blood is greater than any mistake. The blood is greater than any sin. The blood is greater than anything ever. If we have faith in the blood, it will give us a fresh start. First John 1 John 1.9 Let's come up. Uh, choir. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous so that He'll forgive our sins and cleanse us from how many? How many unrighteousness? I didn't hear that. How many unrighteousness will God cleanse us from? All. What about Psalm 32 verse 5? I like this. Psalm 32 5. It says, Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not hide my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgive the guilt of my sin. It says, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity. I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Hallelujah. Let's stand on our feet as we sing this song. I believe that the Lord wants to heal lives tonight. I believe that the Lord wants to give us a brand new start. I believe that the Lord wants to help you tonight. And as the choir is singing, as we minister to the Lord with this song, I'd like you to receive the forgiveness of God in your heart. I want you to go with a fresh and a brand new start. And one of the things I picked up is struggling to forgive. And if you're here in this service and you're struggling to forgive someone, maybe it's not even about your mistake. Maybe somebody did something to you, your childhood or something, your trauma. You're struggling to forgive someone. You know why the song is going on? I'll be down if you want me to pray with you. You can come forward. I'll pray with you. And listen, this is not about looking at who is coming out or who is not coming out. I just believe that it's your night of redemption. If there's anything you want me to trust God with you, to pray with you alongside, I'll be down here just um, to just pray and minister the healing power of God to you. But I believe that tonight you can have that fresh start. I believe that tonight you can have that fresh start. And just pray. If there are mistakes you've made in your life and you need to recover, why don't you just pray about them? Like I said, this thing doesn't have to be seen. Maybe your finances, maybe some bad judgments, maybe certain things just happened and you just feel like, hey, will I ever come out of this? Maybe like the prodigal son, you had a lot of resources and from nowhere you just made some bad decisions and that resources was wasted. But tonight is your night to find healing, to find Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.